about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way, it might be really good. Wow. Hello and welcome to It's Good Except It Sucks, a movie by movie and television series by television series hurtled through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This time we're taking a look at Werewolf by Night, first seen in October 2022, when if you wanted to look clever in front of your friends you could have watched Oddballs, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities or Chris Angel's Magic with the Stars instead. I'm Tim Worthington and we'll be finding out what I made of Werewolf by Night shortly, meanwhile Joining me to give her thoughts on Werewolf by Night is board game collector Vicky Gregorich. Vicky, where can people find you? Ooh, I'm on Twitter at iHeartBigFace. Okay, so before we go any further, Vicky, what happens in Werewolf by Night? Well, this is an interesting one because it's very short. A group of monster hunters are called to a room because the original monster hunter has died and they can win the leadership of this group of people if the first person that kills a monster to do it. It's quite fun. In fact, it's not quite fun. It's great fun. <laughs> so, Vicky, how much did you know about Werewolf by Night before you saw this? Absolutely nothing. I didn't even know that this universe existed in Marvel. And my husband, who's a massive comic book collector, had only heard of it. Well, it is quite interesting that basically the group of characters that Jack Russell stroke Werewolf by Night was introduced as part of I've had kind of, not quite a checkered history, but they were very big in, it's something I keep coming back to on this, when the comics code was relaxed in the early 70s and they were suddenly free to do, you know, storylines about drug abuse and all kinds of different crimes. So they also found, there was a clause in it about, they were able to do horror if it was in the classic horror tradition. So the first thing they do was they brought in Morbius, who's a living vampire, introduced characters like, as we talked about previously, Damon and Anna Hellstrom, Blade and people like that. But the key thing was, in tradition of classic horror so they brought in Dracula because Werewolf by Night first appeared I think he was either in Moonlight or in Tomb of Dracula I'm not sure which one of the two but you know they had a long-running series about Dracula returning to the modern world they brought in Frankenstein's monster came back in because a group of fanatics have sort of kept the monster yeah. Quasimodo appeared in a couple of things the obvious thing to do is have characters based on things like the Wolfman which is how you arrive at this really and then they kind of disappeared because I mainly associate Werewolf by Night with occasionally turning for things like Spider-Woman and helping out for a story and then going I've got to go 
show now before one of my three unfortunate incidents a month happens again. Yeah. Like, who is that guy? And then suddenly in the 90s when, you know, there's a lot more mileage in graphic novels and so on, that's when these characters were really properly introduced and given. I can't say more depth because that depth originally, but that's when they really became big fixtures. So they had that relatively long spell of not being used that much. I think because people probably felt the whole horror thing was a bit being there done that in yeah. comics by then. So yeah, that's basically, I think, why they're less well known than they should be. I mean, I would say horror in particular as a genre always has cycles. And what was absolutely very pleasing about watching this was the way it was filmed and all a lot of the characters in it paid huge homage to the original Universal Monsters. You know, that's come from the comic book, which has come from a cycle of Universal Monsters, which will have come from another cycle of Universal Monsters. These things are cyclical, much like werewolves themselves, I would have. <laughs> but what was absolutely lovely about this is how well they've kind of done that. It's filmed in black and white. The special effects are very physical in the same way that the original Universal Monster films would have been filmed. Bringing back that genre in a modern setting made it feel really special and clean and nice and not nice, clean and nice. No, actually, that's rubbish. They made it feel modern, but also made it feel, had that air of nostalgia. The other really great thing about this is that they don't have to tell the werewolf story. Everybody knows what the werewolf story is. Werewolves are part of law. So you don't have to do the origin story. You don't have to do any of that nonsense. You just get on with the story and it's absolutely fantastic. It doesn't feel like a Marvel universe. That's the main thing I would say about this because even though it's come from those comic books and the comic books themselves may reflect where it sits in the universe, you know, if we've got Spider-Woman or whatever, there's none of that in this show. I kept waiting for something and it didn't seem to happen. Connecting it to the Marvel universe in that way. Although maybe you're going to tell me something I don't know. <laughs> well, no, there was very little apart from there are some hints of other kind of supernatural characters in the drawings on the wall, a couple of other references to people. But yeah, I was quite surprised by that. But I was also, I mean, this comes into what you were just saying, quite surprised that it happened in the first place because as with several characters recently, like Star Fox, like Pip the Troll, like Hercules, Werewolf by Night was a character where I thought, they won't bother doing it, yeah. really. I genuinely thought that. But the story behind it is, it was directed by Michael Giacchino, who's quite a prolific film composer, and he has worked on a lot of Marvel movies, but apparently he directed, I've not seen it myself, but a relatively well-received horror short, and just idly, Kevin Feige said to him, well, if you're going to direct something for us, what would you pick? And he said, Werewolf by Night. Yeah, and that was, <laughs> that was then immediately, well, that's a brilliant idea and what surprised me was you know if they were doing a Halloween special which obviously was the plan all along there were so many other people they could have instantly gone for I mean Ghost Rider the Hellstroms or I would say the most obvious one would have been Agatha Harkness because she made such a big impact in one division but they went for Jack Russell they went for Werewolf by Night and apparently the model they had for it all the way along was the original Twilight Zone the idea that it is a story involving some people nothing to do with their lives just what story emerges if they become involved in this thing and that's exactly as you said it's a contest to see who takes over from Ulysses Bloodstone as the new primary monster hunter and it's his daughter against the load of macho weirdo men and some of these are quite gender ambiguous as well which is interesting and also Jack who's posing as a monster hunter because he wants to protect another monster and I think that really works you just get this one story where you can come into it you don't need to know anything about anyone involved because it is about the story and their relation to it. Yeah, and the really great thing about it is, and it's so rare to get this in modern entertainment, 
is it leaves you with questions. It leaves you wanting more without actually telling you that they're going to give you more. So, you know, you don't know, for example, at the, when you're introduced to all of the monster hunters, they're introduced with their kill hits. And our hero, Jack, has the biggest kill hit. He has 101 kills, confirmed kills. They don't tell you where that's come from. And when you later find out he's actually a monster himself, the question is, did he actually kill 101 monsters? You don't know. You know, you've got no way of knowing. You know, at the end of the show, when Jack has escaped with the monster he saved instead of killing, you don't see Elsa, the other character. You don't know what's happened to her. So she could be off having her own adventures. You've genuinely got all you know is that she survived. And it's really wonderful. There was no stinger. There's no tie this up in a neat knot nonsense. You just end up with this kind of lovely Shawshank redemption ending of Jack and the monster having a lovely chat. Jack and Ted, I will call him by his name. And a few questions and you just come out the back end of it going, that was great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other great surprise was the stylistic element because I didn't think they were going to do anything like the very original comics, which I've been, I say been rereading some of them we've seen for the first time recently but they're very kind of like a late 60s early 70s psychedelic horror film like when Hammer went a bit weird there's loads of you know those very odd blue skies and it's quite like Misty the girls comic there's also the element of it is very self-aware more so I mean there is an element of self-awareness in the TV special but in this things like there's a running joke about the fact that so many monsters seem to have bases near a McDonald's which is never <laughs> quite explained there's the very fact that when they called him Jack Russell it was because the character was originally called Jakob Rusov and yeah. that you know it's just Americanized. but somebody then pointed out to him well Jack Russell's a dog yeah. and rather than say oh yeah that was the plan all along they embraced the idea that it was a coincidence and played on that there's things like Marv Wolfman was the writer who created Blade and they got him to write an issue werewolf by night just so they could say on the cover at last Wolfman writes for the Wolfman and yeah. so I didn't think they were going to do that but I thought it was going to be more I suppose more like something like being human or true blood you know it'd be that kind of modern youthy skewed horror with that kind of very washed out low key look but instead they went completely for the universal style and what I was really surprised by was I read an interview with Michael Giacchino before it was on where he was saying he was worried that he thought he'd gone to, nobody told him not to go too far with gore yeah. and he's worried he had done there's very little in it you know there's things like it was only when I watched it the second time you re- I say you realise people's hands get cut off and so on you do notice that the first time you notice that it's just it happens it isn't lingered on yeah. it, there isn't any excessive bloodletting or gore and I think that is a heart back to Universal Monsters but I think the way they have modernised it is the fight choreography is very modern you did see you know that sort of fast moving but close up action scenes between two characters fighting you see that very close up but it being done in black and white reduces the kind of visceral gore that would probably make you go oh he's just chopped his hand off so that feels more universal but then it moves forward with the speed of it like how fast the characters move how inventive the weaponry is and is used in that show feels very modern I think the fact they keep it black and white and they keep the story very straightforward and it's a very sort of narrative it moves from this point to this point to this point it's quite dynamic and thrilling it takes all of the boringness out of Universal which is everything's a bit slow and gloomy but it does still have that really atmospheric feel and you do feel like you're watching something classic it brings it all together really really well i really like the fact and it's very noticeable in the show that most of the special effects are real special effects they are things that have been choreographed they have been done they've been built there are puppets it feels realer and they could have hidden behind it being a black and white they could have used the black and white to hide some of the strings they didn't really they did those 
effects properly and that's why it's quite powerful and quite you feel closer to it you feel realer because you know you're actually watching something real and there's not a lot of cgi in there if there is cgi in it it's not hugely noticeable you can see that loads of it is genuinely real and it was an absolute wonderful thing to see especially in a marvel film where increasingly the special effects are computer generated ones well, I'm wondering if that's related to, apparently, I didn't know this until literally early today, when they made it, they deliberately didn't make it as a homage to Black and White Films. They made it as if they were making something new, mm-hmm. with the intention that it could then later be regraded into Black and White. The edit was done in colour, with the intention all along to have that fade into colour at the end, which is a brilliant ending, because it's like pushing them. It's like the end of a nightmare. Jack and Ted are coming into the real world. Yeah. And I think that must have had some bearing on it. Things you mentioned, like the pace and so on. Because when you pass teaching something, it's easy to fall into, I suppose, the traps of what something was originally like. Maybe retain some of the edges that shouldn't be in a modern take on it, but I think they've done it completely the right way here. I agree, and I do think they've taken the best of what that genre, that era had to offer, which is, you know, very much about the fact that the werewolf is a classic character of that ilk. But they've also gone, well, those films were very slow, the music was a bit rubbish, that was very chonky makeup. And they've changed all of that stuff that can be good now because we have those skills available and that technology has moved along. I thought it was, they picked the right stuff to put together. Definitely, absolutely, definitely. This Halloween, you can't escape the shock, the terror of Werewolf by Night. Tonight, it is every hunter for themselves. Good luck. I'll be rotting for you but one of you is a monster masquerading as one of our own i can't wait to find out what breed of evil you are a theory that I've got about what's happening here and it relates to the fact that we previously talked about Hellstrom on here which originally goes to be part of an anthology series called Adventure into Fear after the comic that all these characters appeared in in the 70s it looked as though part of the reason that was cancelled was the fact that the TV series were all moving over to Disney Plus but I think there's a more interesting element to it in that one of the few confirmed characters known about to be involved with that apart from the Hellstrom's and Ghost Rider was Elsa Bloodstone who at the time it was rumoured that Laura Donnelly had been cast at her and obviously she is in this I think that maybe they decided they wanted to do something a bit bigger, a bit more connected to the main thing with the horror characters. And that's really tied into the fact that they use Ted Manthing in this, whose backstory, again, it's not touched on at all in this, but basically the story, if they do it the same way in the film's TV series, which they may not do, but that he was like a human scientist who was hired by S.H.I.E.L.D. to work on replicating the super soldier serum. And I 
think some henchman from AIM tried to steal it and they injured him and he ran off into the Florida Everglades and injected himself with it to stop them getting it. Yeah. Fell into a swamp that contained the nexus of realities, which is basically where all the multiverses meet. And this where, in Adventures of Fear, Howard the Duck originally came from, was he fell through from his reality through into the swamp. But... The super soldier thing, because he was drowning in the swamp, mixed the qualities of the swamp with the qualities of the human. That's how he became the man thing. Yeah. And because they're doing the multiverse, I think they probably thought, we need to integrate these a bit better. So I'm wondering how much of this was originally planned for that abandoned series. And I would say, as backstories go, I don't think we need to hear that. I think mm. how they've done this particular show is, it doesn't matter. And that's a very nice thing. Because that is a backstory that doesn't really need to be told, is it? I think the most important thing to know about man thing is to one person he is a monster and to another person he is not and that is good enough but yeah i liked elsa bloodstone i thought she was an interesting character you weren't sure what her motivations are and you still don't at the end so she could be an anti-hero she could be a hero she could be someone in the middle she could be very hellstrom-y where they're actually whether they're good or bad is always up for debate i think you do kind of know that jack is a good guy and that's great and sort of having that kind of hidden identity thing is a little bit more interesting for him because he clearly doesn't he has and does not have control over it in some ways and and so that makes it a little bit more interesting for him but actually he's just a sweetheart and that was very nice (laughs) well that indicates to me that they are going to sort of pursue in inverted commas the relationship between Elsa and Jack in the comics which is that she is very hard living she shall we say gets her satisfaction and moves on and is very attracted to Jack on that basis but he is somebody who is looking for romance and he constantly rebuffs her and it will also be interesting to see because she has a very fractious relationship with other female characters like Jessica Jones and the Black Cat and so on where they try to involve her in you know girly nights out for want of a better word and she does not fit in or appreciate it so it looks like they are pursuing her character exactly as she originally was which I'm all in favour of absolutely and I suppose that does kind of make her and Jack more adaptable to go into other series because although I love this I don't think it's a series in and of its own I don't think there's enough to it really however you can you would watch this and you would want to see those characters and Ted pop up in other areas Mm. in different contexts you know you'd have no issue seeing Elsa popping up with Daredevil you'd have no issue seeing Jack popping up in the multiverse and you'd have no issue seeing Ted popping up randomly in some Ant-Man film as long as the context of why they were there was right that all three of those characters they don't need their own thing they will enhance another thing brilliantly and I think that's fine well I think one big pointer towards them possibly showing up is that there has been a lot recently about the dark hold the possessed book which Doctor Strange and Wanda are both struggling to control the power of yeah and also in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness Mount Wundergore appeared quite prominently which I'm not going to give too much away because I think this will be a plot point but Jack has very strong connections to that oh, so really? there is very big potential there. yeah i will happily see any of those characters pop up anywhere and i have to say i was slightly disappointed that all of the other hunters died in it because realistically they were all really interesting characters and i would have liked to have seen like a 10 minute short on how jovan got his kills or another short on how leon where leon lived and what he did to do his kills i thought they were fascinating little characters and it really they had to die of course they did but flipping heck it would have been great to see what they'd been up to beforehand wouldn't it 
I love Gael Garcia Bernal. He is a very fine actor and he has done some amazing stuff. And I don't think enough people kind of know about him because he does primarily act in Spanish. He was obviously Che Guevara in The Motorcycle Diaries, which is one of the greatest films ever made. But the really lovely thing we observed about Gael Garcia Bernal is that when he was a young man, he looked like a beautiful little teddy bear. Now he's an older man, he looks like a little teddy bear that's been left on a shelf and gone a bit dusty. He is no less a teddy bear. And the second thing you might be quite interested to know is that Jack doesn't actually kill any of the named characters in this, which is quite an interesting fact because I was kind of, I was trying to remember the order of the death so I could go and find out a little bit more about the monster hunters. I thought they were fascinating. And I thought at the very least, I misremembered, Jack had at least killed Verusa, but he didn't. So Jovan, who is the Scottish fellow, is killed by Manthing. After he has killed Leon, who is the Asian fellow with the marvellous weapon on his wrist. Both Barasso and Azriel are killed in the room by Elsa. So Jack tears their ears off, but it's Elsa that kills them with her blade. And then right at the end, as Verusa is attacking Jack with the bloodstone, Manthing comes in and squashes her head. So Jack actually, I think he must kill some henchmen. You'd have to assume that him flinging them across the room has killed them. But actually, in terms of named characters, Jack doesn't kill anyone. So I come back to my original point. Has he ever even killed a monster? Has he just managed to get confirmed kills by being a tricksy bugger? That's what I want to know. <laughs> and that's what I think they should tell me. <laughs> whoever they are. Well, that brings me on to quite, I think, a key question, which I've not seen anyone genuinely in any review comment on this at all, which is fascinating. And I think it's a very good sign, is that I love the way it messes with shadows, messes with framing, the sets and so on. But in particular, the design of Jack as the werewolf, I think is so good that people haven't even commented on it. It is like somebody has taken, you know, the Wolfman from the Universal films and made it look modern and realistic. I assume there's some CGI involved. If there is, it's so subtle and so good, I did not notice it. Yeah, I agree. And I really do think that anybody who is interested in the Marvel Universe or horror should watch this with quite a critical eye as to just how good quality it is. Because you do get so carried away with the story that you would, I think, miss some of those gentle pieces of just how beautifully put together it is. I mean, it's a genuine piece of quality filmmaking. It's really, really good. And I agree with you that you cannot see the you can't see the joins. It's really nicely put together. And it isn't just because it's in black and white. I think it's because they've taken a lot of care over it. They use all of the minutes well, the acting is good, and they really make a lot out of what they've got there. It feels bigger than it ought to be. Because the wolf story itself is actually quite boring. The normal wolf story is quite boring. Man wakes up infected on a field, becomes a werewolf, is a bit surprised by it, someone shoots him. That is all of the werewolf story. They've made this really interesting. They've genuinely added something that's so old you wouldn't think anything else could be said about it. And they genuinely have done it here and it's really clever. It's really good. I think as well it really points positively to the future of the franchise as well because they have somehow made a film about a werewolf that you could show to kids and there would be no problem with it. I've previously been thinking they're very clearly going to bring Jessica Jones and the Punisher back and a couple of other people like that, maybe the Hellstroms. And those are series where was a lot of debate when they were added to Disney Plus like should these be alongside yeah. shows that kids can watch it is possible to find ways of doing these characters 
in a manner that doesn't betray what they actually are, what people want from them, but in a way that's acceptable to, I suppose, a family audience. It's just that it takes work, it takes effort, it takes a determination to please everyone. That's why I think the Blade film is going to be really interesting to watch, because I cannot see them not having him mowing down loads of vampires with the sword, but I can't see them doing that in a way that would render it an 18 certificate over here or in America. Like Deadpool, surely they will somehow find the way of having him swear and still have it be acceptable. Absolutely. I mean, I think they have genuinely accepted that Deadpool is adult content. But you're right, Blade's a tricky one because the original Blades are so hyper-violent and that is one of the very good things about them. I do think Blade is the natural in for Werewolf and Elsa more naturally into a bigger audience than perhaps the other sort of... Hellstrom is a bit to the side, you know. Even Ghost Rider isn't well-loved or particularly well known. So it does feel like Blade would be the space for these characters to come and go. But again, for me, I think it would be a small storyline with Elsa. I don't think they need to be main characters. I think they would make Blade better by seeing them there. Same as I think with the Hellstroms, you'd have fun with the Hellstroms just popping up in a Blade or popping up in a Deadpool. I think they are excellent periphery characters that just add loads of flavour to those films where perhaps that flavour's got a bit boring or a bit formulaic. These will add something to that. I think they're a little bit of cinnamon and chilli going into those corned beef hashes. The only thing I do want to say, because it annoyed me all the way through this, was Verusa is Fraser's agent. (laughs) (laughs) And I will say one more thing, just about Universal Monsters, just because it pleased me so much. So there's two main female characters in this. Elsa Bloodstone and Verusa and both of those ladies pay homage to the greatest female character in the Universal movies which is the Bride of Frankenstein so the Bride of Frankenstein was played very famously by Elsa Lancaster who clearly Elsa Bloodstone is named after but she also had that magnificent shock of black hair with the white through it and that's Verusa's hairstyle so you can see if you go deep dive into those films and that homage that is the truest homage to the Universal monsters that those two ladies are paying homage to the greatest female horror character that came out of the Universal movies and that was genuinely <laughs> pleasing to watch as well not least I was really pleased with myself because I noticed it <laughs> nobody had to tell me that I knew that it was great <laughs> well you can't say much fairer than that but there's only one thing left for me to ask now Vicky if you had the ability to send a human wolf hybrid every full moon what would you use it for oh that is a good question now would I choose to pee everywhere so I always knew where I'd been and didn't get lost anymore that's why I do I would scent my local area so I always knew how to get back to where I was going no I don't have an answer to that <laughs> Vicky thank you and Excelsior Excelsior <laughs> If you've enjoyed this, don't forget you can find more editions of It's Good Except It Sucks and plenty more besides, including details of my book Can't Help Thinking About Me, at timworthington.org.